Lead me to some soul today. Oh, teach me. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 13 of our series of episodes uh, that we're calling Leading Others to Christ. During these episodes, those of you that have been watching, you know that we were that we focus on evangelism, uh, and we have many goals, and, and it seems like it changes every week on things that we'd like to be able to do, but one of them really is to try to, I'm going to use this, this phrase, revive us again. In, in some places, churches are closing their doors, uh, the membership is, is dropping, uh, people are passing away, and, not, and, and new people are not coming in, not being taught in the community, and so we're wanting to try to stir, uh, stir each other up. You know, the scriptures talk about stirs up to love and good works, but especially in the area of, of reaching family and friends and neighbors and co-workers with the gospel of Christ. My name is Dan Barker, and I preach for the Creekside Church of Christ in Franklin, Indiana. Now, Franklin is about 20 miles south of uh, downtown Indianapolis, to give you a, a kind of a visual there of where we are. Those of you that know me know that I'm passionate about leading others to Christ. And I have been uh, ever since I obeyed the gospel when I was taught when I was 21 years old in, in Owensboro, Kentucky. I've always been interested in learning how others teach others, uh, striving to, to get better at my own teaching and uh, to use some Bible phrases. Uh, I've always been striving to teach others, to teach, to sow the seed, to be a fisher of men, to make disciples. And as I said, teaching others to teach. And I've, I've used this every time so far, 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, where Paul said to Timothy, and the things you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men and obviously women who will be able to teach others also. So I came up with this idea to identify other Christians, other men and women, fellow workers who are out there working uh, today, who are reaching and leading others to Christ. And once we identify them, to do an interview and, and, and ask them questions. And, and we want to learn more about them and who they are, where they are, why are they so motivated to do this work of evangelism? How are they doing the work? Uh, and where are they currently working? So, and, you know, quite frankly, this, like I said, this is episode number 13. And we've been really, really pleased with the response and the interest that we're getting from this. And we're, you know, we're very encouraged by that. And we want to encourage those that are listening to be sure and share this with your friends uh, uh, of what we're trying to do here. Today, we're excited to have with us Barry Kircherville. Barry works with Woodland Hills Church of Christ in Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome, Barry. <laughs> Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you here. Uh, we always try to do this. We talked the other day on the phone and a little uh, conversation before we do the interview. Barry, I thought we had met several years ago, but we haven't. This is, so we're meeting here for the first time today. But we always start out, Barry, with, uh, with what we call a, a little short bow. So there's a lot of people that know, uh, know you, but there's people that are watching that don't know you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about where you, where you were born, where you're from, your background, and, and kind of bring us up to date. Well, I, I was actually born in El Paso, Texas, but at uh, six weeks old, I couldn't take it anymore, and we went to California. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, got there, and I grew up in uh, Southern California in Orange County area, not far from Disneyland, and actually lived there until I was 48 years old and preached in California about 26, 27 years during that time for two different churches, uh, helped start a church in uh, the Lake Elsinore area, 
then uh, moved to Fayetteville, Arkansas, spent four year, 14 years there, and then I've been in Nashville, Tennessee for <clears throat> about 10 years now. Uh, so uh, almost, almost as of December, I'll have preached uh, 50 years, uh, which is uh, a, a bit crazy to me. But that's uh, <laughs> that's 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 really where my background is. I have four boys, two for the oldest two preach, and the youngest two are even better than the older two. So <laughs> I'm hoping they hear that. See, I'm <laughs> there you, well, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. So uh, uh, I didn't grow up in the church. Uh, using using that phrase, you know what I mean. But I, I think you did, where your parents were Christians, right? Yes, uh, exactly. In fact, uh, I've been told that a man obeyed the gospel in 1860 and began to preach uh, after that. And then his son preached, and then his son preached, and my grandfather preached, and my dad preached, and I'm preaching. And I have two sons that are preaching, and uh, so it's a curse. <laughs> it's like, it's like, like something happens. All of us are born in the first number of years of our life. We're like, we're never doing that. And then something happens around age 21 and 22, and uh, the DNA kicks in, and uh, we, uh, we, we can't help it. Well, thank God for whoever that first one was back in 1860, whoever, taught, whoever taught him, right, and it's continued. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, I know we've talked a little bit, and I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting you in person uh, one day. Uh, but one, one thing that, that I pick up in talking to you is you get excited real easy on the subject of evangelism. Why is Barry so excited about teaching others? Why, why, why would you be so interested in leading others to Christ? Well, uh, once you've done it once, once you have helped somebody go from uh, absolute sinful lifestyle to knowing Christ and watching them change and watching them get excited. It is uh, so infectious. And, uh, and then the more you think about where they could have been and now that they have a hope of eternity, it just, uh, it, it just brings me to tears every time I even think about it. Uh, there was a sweet lady named uh, Bernice when I was 22 years old, and she's the one who kind of got me started, begged me to come out to about 50 miles away out into Lake Elsinore, California, and help her uh, get a church started. And uh, I, I was timid. I was shy. I, I still am <laughs> deep inside me. Uh, but uh, she drugged me all over that town, and uh, uh, we'd make calls on people, and and she'd do almost all the talking, and I'd just kind of watch and try to figure out what she was doing. And as we started teaching people, it just went from just more and more excited to see how powerful God's Word is. That, that I think, was something that I missed the most as a young person, because I, I grew up in a, in a good church, but in those days, the kind of motto all the time was, well, you know, you could try to talk to them, but they wouldn't be interested. You know, you just basically make a decision for somebody else. And there wasn't a lot of trust in the power of God and the power of his word. And Bernice really taught me uh, how to trust God and trust his power. And uh, once we got going, it, it was amazing. We baptized 15 people the first year. And we, we went from me preaching at her, at her, <laughs> to her, whatever, uh, right. to, to having 15 people in the first year. And it just went from there. Uh, there's so many things that you said there that that I could follow up on, but I know you had mentioned uh, this Bernice uh, voice, right? Is that her yeah. last name? And, and she just recently passed away at 104. Yes. Uh, yeah. And and uh, uh, it, somebody had written a uh, 
uh, a story about her just this week, but uh, but I would have loved to have met her. But uh, and and that's one of the things that I've said too that I want to I want to find women that are out there that are involved in evangelism, yeah. and we all know what the scriptures teach. Uh, you know the, the limitations, if you will, of public worship and things. We understand that, but there are so many things that women can do that that uh, that Barry and Dan can't do. Conversations yeah. that that they can have that you and I could never have. Studies that they could set up, and. Uh, and we just need to get uh, find out who's, who some of these women are that are out there that are working and interview them but, and try to motivate other ladies to get involved. In, in well, and, and uh, I, I, can't, I can't emphasize that enough. I, every, uh, Bernice taught me by showing me what women can do that men cannot do. And uh, she was able to get into people's lives, connect with people, whereas from a man's point of view, if I tried to do that, it, it would have seemed pushy <laughs> and uh, we and there we'd be you know you'd be, you'd look suspect uh, to say the least and and the, and the cool thing about bernice was is uh, uh she she would literally uh, call me on monday morning and she'd say okay you got your pencil and i go yeah and she'd say okay we uh i've got a class set up at one o'clock today uh so get over here about 12 30 we'll go to that and then we got another one at four and we have another one tonight at seven Okay, tomorrow we have one at 10, uh, and she'd tell me about each one of these, give me a little heads up. Some of them we had made calls on earlier, some of them I didn't even know yet. And, uh, and then she would go all the way through Thursday. She always gave me Friday and Saturday off unless there, unless there was an emergency. <laughs> and so uh, she just set those up, and she'd spend full time kind of spinning those plates, getting, getting things set up and following up. We'd make calls together usually once a week because she, she just would connect with anybody she could. And, uh, and, and then she would set that class up for me. I, I think the beautiful thing about Bernice, even though I was a young person and she was 54, I was 22 at the time. The beautiful thing about Bernice is she never um, took, what we would say biblically, took authority over me. Right. Uh, she, she would literally sit as I was teaching and she'd sit close enough to me where she had a pen and paper and she would kind of, She'd kind of write notes of what I was saying, and and uh, if somebody asked a question, and and she would just write down the scripture that was the answer. And, and sometimes I didn't know where the scripture was; I knew the answer, and I'd say, "Well, uh, let's take a look over in First uh, Peter three twenty one. I think that'd be a good passage." <laughs> and uh, and she was always that way. Sometimes she would say, "Well, Barry, what do you think about this?" And uh, and I, and she would remind me of something or, or lead me to do something. Never, ever was a woman who, even though every minute she was training, never was a woman who kind of tried to uh, just take that authority, so to speak, and not help me just be the person who helped me do what I could do. Well, <clears throat> this has come up in, in, in almost every episode of, of different stories about different ones in our lives that <clears throat> either ones we've taught or ones that mentored us, but it's what if uh, it, this this has come up so many times what if bernice had never shown interest in you right yeah. you know we know about the providence of god none of us understand fully how that works but when you know god knows those of us that are willing and he's going to put people in our past to help us to help teach us to put people in our past to help us to teach them uh i mean that's that's the conclusion i've come to and uh but uh thank god for bernice right uh, ab absolutely. Uh, just kind of interesting to see her persistence because 
when I first came out and preached my first sermon, I brought a few people with me and she had gotten a few people there and, and uh, she had been praying for years that somebody would come and help her uh, try to get a church started out there. And uh, she told me years later, after she heard that first sermon, she went back to God in prayer that night and said, Lord, really? <laughs> this is what you send me? <laughs> this is what you send. Oh, that's, that's great. And, and it really was just that bad. I, I mean, but, but she, you know, she just was like, she saw some raw talent and, uh, and she, she went with it. By the way, could I just share this one thing? At age 22, I was about uh, 20 units away from getting my degree in, in ag business and uh, going to Cal Poly Pomona. And uh, so I was going out there and teaching on Sunday morning and stuff. She said, after about three months, she said, uh, this was around March of, two, uh, of 1971. Uh, she said, uh, I, I'm, I've got 15 women I'm teaching in a Bible study on uh, Wednesday mornings at 10 o'clock and their husbands want to come. And I just feel so uncomfortable, even though they're unbelievers. I just feel so uncomfortable. I want you to come out and start teaching so that they can invite their husbands. And I said, well, Bernice, I'm, in, I'm still in school. I, I can't come out at that time. I, I've, only, I've just got, you know, another couple semesters and I'm done. And then I'd be glad to do that. But right now I, I'm still in school. And Bernice in her way cocked her head and looked at me and she said, did you hear what I said? <laughs> oh, oh, and I and I, I said, well, I'm in school. She says, "Are you going to come and help me teach the gospel to these people or not?" Wow. And I said, "Well, Bernice, I, I I'm in I'm in school, and I get emotional when I think about this." And she said, "I don't care. We got people to save here. Wow. Are you going to come out and help?" And I said, "Yes." And I dropped out of school. I never went back. Uh, it, but I tell you what, that, that was uh, a really meaningful moment in my life when she flipped upside down where your priority is going to be and what you're going to do. Well, what a, what a great story. Um, now, um, all right, we haven't talked about this with uh, any of the other interviews, but uh, I, I've been involved in several of these. Uh, you mentioned talking about starting a congregation. Let's just take just a minute. And what are some of the things that you've seen uh, in being involved? I mean, people, so many people, they, they come to a congregation maybe, and they see the, the group, they see the facility. They don't know anything about the history of the group, how it started. Did it start in somebody's home? They don't even think about that sometimes. But uh, the dynamics of starting a congregation from scratch, just off the top of your, what are some things that come to mind? Uh, I, the first thing that would come to mind is you don't start the congregation. Uh, you just start teaching people and the congregation happens. Uh, so that, that I think is the most important thing. People start churches first. In other words, okay, let's start a church. And I, I'm not you know, criticizing that. I understand the process. You get a number of members. Let's, let's start a church. But it, it's just like a, a good friend of mine, Caleb Churchill up in, up in New York, New York city. Uh, Caleb is now, uh, you know, working over in Brooklyn, but Caleb for years taught people in Brooklyn and got things going. He started with teaching people and then the church happened. And, and that's basically what we did in Lake Elsinore. Yes, we had a place to meet, but we really were just concentrating on teaching people and then letting the church happen. And, and again, the church itself is not the draw. The gospel of Christ is the draw. And if we use the gospel as the draw, the church will happen. 
Very good. Yeah, you mentioned Caleb. I've known Caleb since he was a student at the University of Kentucky, and uh, right. uh, and I interviewed him too there in Brooklyn. And what you know, just think about that real quick of the community that he's in right now with uh, with all the coronavirus, and then now with all the the race riots and uh, all this uh, the turmoil that's going on. And there he is with his wife and children and trying to do the Lord's work. And uh, we need to all remember him in our prayers. But absolutely. Uh, I like the way you said that teach first and then the, the congregation will come from that. Uh, and, and that's good. Just real quick. Tell us about, uh, Woodland Hills, about how big is it? How many elders do you have? What can you tell us about uh, the group there? Well, uh, I, I came to Woodland Hills about three years ago and uh, we have three elders and, uh, the church has just been absolutely amazing because, you know, some churches, uh, are just too busy to involve themselves in anything but what they're doing. Uh, I say I'm kind of using a generic way, you know, obviously not everybody's that way. But Woodland was just so amazing. These Christians are so excited about reaching others. And so it was pretty easy uh, to get going with uh, starting uh, Bible studies. I had already been doing a lot of neighborhood Bible studies before I started working with them. And they just jumped in and started helping, attending the studies, inviting people, homes were opened. And that's what it takes. Uh, you know, sometimes people look at me and, and they say, wow, you know, if I think of a, somebody who's really evangelistic and good at evangelism, I would think of Barry. And, and, I, and I always have to say, I, I don't really think I'm that good at it. I'm good at teaching. Uh, I'm, if you give me somebody to talk to, I'm good at talking to them. But as most preachers, we're not as much in the community as, as other people. In fact, other people are more connected to people than I am. And so my encouragement is to give them opportunities so that they can uh, give me opportunities to actually teach. And so everybody in evangelism, everybody is a part here. We need inviters. Bernice was a great inviter and in setting up a class and that sort of thing, but we need somebody who's going to take it from there and encourage. We need people who will attend the classes to, to give encouragement. So everybody's a part of this. We work as a team uh, in, the, uh, in, in that matter. And if there's anything that I would say I do well is more helping the team come together than simply saying, oh, wow, you know, Barry could, he's really good at talking to a stranger. I'm not. <laughs> and I think a lot of preachers check out because they feel that inadequacy, and I certainly feel it. I'm never going to be a Bernice in that matter. It's just, I, it, I can't do it. Uh, I've tried many times, but, and I can talk to somebody, you give me a chance, but just that initial opening the door, somebody else is usually much better than I am. Well, we, you know, we all need to re recognize our limitations. But yeah, the, the power of, of teaching people, of, you know, the gospel, we were told, Jesus said, go into all the world. I mean, and you've heard this, you probably said it. Well, you have your world. I have my world of, of contact, right? So if I would just go into my world and if everybody would do that and find those that are interested in spiritual things and want to go to heaven, that can turn, if, if people are taught that, that can turn into studies that, uh, and it's not us anyway, uh, you know, we right. do the planting and the watering and God's going to give the increase, but, uh, but, but sometimes we don't understand that process. Um, well, and that's exactly, you know, we, sometimes people get into evangelism and there's just all kinds of, uh, fluffy ways to try to get somebody interested. And yet in the first century, they turned the world upside down in 30 years. And all they did was just talk to people. You know, everybody connected with their world is what you're saying. And, and uh, that works just fine today. In fact, I would suggest uh, it for me, I've always thought it's too much work 
to do the other thing, <laughs> whether, you know, just, just the kind of the big, big hit kind of thing. Uh, and I know guys are good at that and you can get some contacts that way. But for me, it's always just been on the root level. That is so good. Another, another thing that time passed there at Woodland Hills, you taught a class uh, on principles of evangelism. Maybe just real quick of, of uh, what you did there with that. Well, uh, you know, the, in, in that uh, series, and, and I've done a lot of those kinds of series, that, you know, my, my main goal is to try to help everybody in the church realize that they have a part they can play. Uh, evangelism is a dirty word to a lot of people, and I understand why, because you know, sometimes you have a preacher come in and he, you know, wants to stir everybody up and get everybody going in evangelism. And, and it just flops because what happens sometimes is evangelism is defined simply as, why don't you go talk to your neighbor or why don't you knock on doors or something like this? And, and not everybody can do that. And so the, the main point of the series is to try to help everybody see a part they can play. Just like I have a lady who attends uh, one of my Panera studies and she's been with me for years. She's just a, she's just a beautiful uh, lady. She's in her 60s, and she attends every time. She, she's learning her Bible. Uh, she's participating. Uh, she, anybody who's visits, she's there to encourage them and connect with them, and she's just as sweet as she can be. That's her talent, and her being there makes me be able to teach so much better because Barbara doesn't maybe know the Bible as well as she would like to. She's able to sit there and go, could you explain that a little bit better so I can understand it? And I'm going, bless in my heart, I, in my mind, I'm going, bless your heart, girl. Thank you for the question. And she'll do that. And it makes visitors feel comfortable. And so she plays a part. So that's what this is all about, helping everybody see there's a part you can play that fits within your talent mode. And, and you're not having to feel scared out of your brain as to, he wants me to knock on a door? <laughs> no. I don't knock on doors, strange doors. I, scare me to death. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, I know you, uh, you do a lot of meetups. Maybe, maybe explain those that are listening, because not everybody knows what a meetup is. What's a meetup, and, and uh, how has that worked for you? Uh, actually, uh, it, it works really well. There is a meetup app. For those who do not know, uh, then you can just actually join the Meetup app and start your own Meetup. And the beauty about the Meetup app is it advertises for you because people are often going on to the Meetup to look for hike, you know, somebody to hike with or somebody to bicycle with or somebody to, you know, who knows what with. In fact, I've run into, I'm teaching a guy right now on our one of our Meetups who's part of a ex-Jehovah's Witness Meetup. And so he's an ex-Jehovah's Witness, and he's enjoying our Bible studies, and he's coming in. So the beauty about the Meetup app is people are looking, and they just go, oh, a Bible study. In fact, we're one of the few uh, actual Bible studies in all of Nashville on a, on a Meetup. And so we get a lot of uh, people who are joining up. We have actually, here's kind of the funny thing about a Meetup, we have well over 300 people who have joined our Meetup. Now, at any given time, we, will, we won't have more than four, maybe, or five or six people who will actually join the study in any given week. <laughs> but the more people you have join, the more people get interested and kind of, they'll watch, you know, they'll kind of watch from a distance. Oftentimes, people would come to the Panera, and I, I would look across the room, and I'd see somebody sitting over there, and they'd just keep looking and keep watching. And I knew full well 
the, this individual has come to watch our Bible study from a distance just to kind of see where we were. And there's been times when after the study was over, I got up and I just walked over uh, to them and looked at them and they kind of looked at me and I said, are you interested in this Bible study? Yeah, I was just kind of watching. I said, great, let, let's talk, <laughs> you know, and that sort of thing. So that happens. And, and it's, that's, it's so simple. It's crazy simple. Along the same line, a neighborhood Bible study is the same way where you pick a house and, and you know, people who uh, agree and members who agree, we all come and, and you know, you, you just ask a friend, hey, we're going to do a Bible study for about eight weeks and we're going to study through James or, you know, Ecclesiastes or something like that and, and love for you to come. Uh, my favorite is to do how to study the Bible. So, you know, that's really attractive to people. And so, you know, we just get people inviting and uh, we, we, have, we have in a neighborhood Bible study sometimes up to 15 visitors. Wow. This blows my, my, me away. And in fact, one of my Bernices in the congregation here, Julie, she just puts it up on her neighborhood app. She says, yeah, we're starting another Bible study and here's what we're going to study. Uh, you're welcome to come to my house. And people from her neighborhood just show up. <laughs> we don't even, she's never even met them. Uh, It's just incredible uh, what God will do. Uh, I I would just quickly say, uh, everybody needs to take a look at Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 37 and 38. Those last two verses, God actually asked the Messiah's people, asked them to ask him to send them people. What What a statement. How many times do we hear us praying and asking God to send us people? And he tells us right there, would you please do that? Would you please ask me? And I'll fill your uh, people like a flock in Jerusalem. What a great, great text. No, that, uh, thanks for reminding us of that. That's, you're right. That's a great text. Maybe, uh, is there a, uh, if I say conversion story, you know what I mean. Is there somebody that you can think about in the past that you studied with that's an interesting story of maybe how you met them and how it ended up? Yeah, which of a thousand? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's so many great stories, and and you know, stories really, I think, are encouraging. Um, I, I think one of one of my favorite uh, when I was in San Diego, there was a, a a girl that had become a Christian in the congregation. She was young in her twenties, and she was married. Uh, had uh, uh, well, I don't think she had a child yet. Her husband was in the Navy, and he was out on he was out on a Westpac uh, six month. Uh, thing while she was uh, there and, and one of the ladies uh, brought her and, and taught her and she became a Christian. Well, when he came back into port and came back home, he was not terribly happy about her being a Christian, but, you know, he, he wasn't antagonistic. But he started, you know, we, we would invite different people in the congregation. And this is one of the things of the talents. Different people in the congregation would invite them over for dinners and things like this. And so a lot of us played softball together. And we got in a softball league, not a church building, by the way. (laughs) We got in a softball league together. And I would always tell the manager of our team, please invite so-and-so. I'm studying with him. I think he'd be a good player and he'd enjoy playing. We can connect better. So I, I mentioned it concerning this man. Anyway, he, he went ahead, invited Tony, and uh, and brought and, and he joined the team. He was a real good player. I played shortstop. He was second base, and we had a good combo going on. And, and so we got to know each other pretty well uh, through the season. And so as the season was ending, I was walking to the car with him. I said, "Look, uh, hey, I, I would love to for you to know what your uh, what your wife has believed." would you give me one opportunity just to come over and share with you what the scripture says? Just one time, one hour, just give me a chance to show you what, what, what she is interested in and what, what God uh, has said in the Bible. And I said, you know, no pressure or anything. Just, just love to share it with you. 
Well, I could see in his face that he wanted to say no, but we were such good friends. He said yes. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, he couldn't tell me no, which is what I always tell people. You know, if you'll yeah. connect better with people, it's hard for them to tell you no. True. And so he, I, I, his, his wife called me uh, the next morning in tears, and she said, oh, my goodness. She said, Tony came home and said, did you get Barry to ask me for a Bible study? <laughs> And she goes, no, I didn't say a word. And that's another uh, lesson. Don't ever ask the wife or the husband whether or not you can ask their mate for a Bible study. They'll always tell you no because yeah. they're scared. Anyway, uh, it, it, it went from there. We got there. I did the hour study, and I looked at him, and I said, you want to study again? And now it was different. Wow. He said, yes, I would. And so we continued the study, and uh, uh, it was just amazing to see. Every week, practically, his wife would call me, Sherry. She'd call me, and, she, and she'd say, she'd be in tears again. He said to me, if, if I become a Christian, do I have to stop drinking? And, and, and he, she'd say, well, yes, you would. And he'd go, well, I'm not coming a Christian then. <laughs> And, and I'd always say, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. And every week it was a different thing that he would say, do I have to come to church on Wednesday night if I do? Well, yeah, you'd want to. I'm not becoming a Christian, you know, and it'd be that sort of thing every single week. And I'd keep telling her, don't worry about it. The gospel will take care of this. Yes, and yes. after eight months, he not only became a Christian, but the next party he was supposed to leave, lead for his Navy uh, brothers, uh, it was a non-alcoholic party. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was just amazing. Well, and I know, you, you know, we don't have time, but I know you have a lot of stories, but you're right. Stories are there. The sto God gave us those stories in the Bible for a reason, right? To teach us that we could learn But the stories today. We need to tell these stories of, uh, of how we meet and teach. And, and, and sometimes the stories don't have a happy ending because it can yeah. be very, very trying at times, very challenging. Um, Tell us, uh, I know we're about out, I've said that two or three times about the time, focusmagazine.org, just to give us a little uh, a blurb yeah. of that. Yeah, focusmagazine.org, uh, again, Focus Magazine was started back in the 90s by uh, uh, a couple of guys, uh, Mike Wilson and uh, David Posey. David <laughs> Goodness, Posey. I know David well, and then just boom, <laughs> lost his name. All right. uh, but anyway, and uh, in 2006, I took it over, and me and Tim Jennings now uh, run the magazine as just an online magazine and focusmagazine.org you can go on and get an article every Tuesday and Thursday morning uh, great writers Shane Scott um, Tim Jennings me uh, Russ Bowman a uh, number of us uh, write every week yeah it's good uh, I, I watch it and look at it every week uh, all right people are watching this and they go you know what I know I need to be doing this evangelism and Barry's got me excited uh, is there a contact information where if somebody wanted to reach out to you that they could? What would oh, be sure. Um, yeah, my, my email is just barrykirch at gmail.com. Barry is spelled B-E-R-R-Y-K-E-R-C-H at gmail.com. Uh, I do a lot of helping people, young preachers, and helping just individuals uh, get, get meetups started or neighborhood Bible studies or find a way to get started and just give you the details of how that goes on. Always happy to do that. Okay, wonderful. So, and then the other thing is, if somebody wanted to uh, to get involved, what would be one thing that you would say to them that they need to learn how to do to be involved in a van? What's one thing that they need to do or one thing they need to learn how to do to get involved? Well, I, I would say the most important thing is to get out of your shell and make a new friend. 
Uh, one of the problems we all have as Christians, we've already got plenty of friends. We, we don't need any more friends. I've got all these friends in the church, so I don't need any more friends. And so we automatically, when we meet a new person, maintain a outer circle friendship and inner circle friendships. And so we don't let those outer circle people get very, very close to us. In other words, what did, what did Matthew Levi do when he uh, started following Jesus? The first thing he do, did is have a party, and he invited his friends. And yeah. so he brought them into an inner circle situation where they would be able to be taught. So even if you're not a teacher, even if you don't feel comfortable teaching it, obviously, even in the beginning especially, you can still start making those connections and pray that God will, will open doors for you. But in inner circle means we're going to actually come into each other's homes. We're going to eat together. If you have children, you are in a prime position because you can, you can easily connect with other people in the neighborhood who have children. Uh, you can meet at a park to, with people you have met in other places, bring your children together. And while they're playing on the swing set or whatever, you're connecting with this person. And those connections start creating opportunities and especially when you pray and ask God to help and then obviously you have somebody hopefully in your congregation preacher or somebody else who, who who can be good and gentle at being able to actually teach somebody and, and, and you can make those connections and that's what Bernice always did for me uh, she knew I would be gentle with the contacts and uh, and just help let the gospel do the teaching and and not be pushy and those kinds of things. And so she would set those classes up and, and I would teach and it was a great combo. Brother, quality interview. Thank you again for doing this. Um, I know we could, uh, if we had another 30 minutes, uh, we, we'd have it. We'd still be talking. Yeah, but, we, um, <laughs> we would, but, uh, keep up your good work and uh, keep encouraging. I know you will keep encouraging those that are around you. Keep looking for another Bernice, right? Thank God for exactly. her. And, uh, but again, thank you so much. And I look forward to meeting you in person, uh, Lord willing sometime soon. So thanks again for, for being here with us today. Absolutely. My pleasure. And I look forward to the same thing. Okay. Thank you. Melt my heart and fill my life. Give me one soul today.